This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. With that, I welcome you into what will be a very educational and enlightening edition of Equip. I'm actually pretty fired up to have this conversation because I am coming to this discussion as a learner alongside of you, hoping to have the privilege of asking the questions that you would have uh, if you were in my seat. So I get a chance to represent all of us to talk to some pretty smart and gifted people today about a topic that is, is very intriguing. So let me just start this way. Have you noticed, you probably have, the tensions that have uh, have risen in our culture, and maybe even in your own home, this uh, sense of, man, people are not listening to one another. There's uh, a lot of folks who have stopped talking to one another, caring deeply about one another. Have you noticed that we're collectively raising our voices towards one another, blaming, hating, unfriending, posting nasty remarks I could go on and on and on. What's behind all of that? Well, what if I told you that to get to the answer, not only of what's behind it, but more importantly, the solution to it, we need to know both the ministry and the work of the Spirit as well as the way our brains work. We need to have a a healthy sense of neuroscience as well as a deep sense of the theology of how we have been designed by a loving God who wants us to be in loving relationship with him and to express that love to one another. Well, that's exactly what is brought together in a book that I'm holding in my hand called Escaping Enemy Mode, How Our Brains Unite or Divide Us. I am so grateful to be joined by the co-authors. First, I'll introduce Jim Wilder, Uh, He has been training leaders and counselors for over 27 years on five continents. He's the author of 16 books with a strong focus on maturing and relationship skills for leaders. He oversees model development at Life Model Works. Now, that's a nonprofit working at the intersection of brain science and theology. Jim, you call yourself a neurotheologian, and I'm grateful to have you here with me. God bless you, Jim. It's good to be here with you, Chris, and talk about something that's both interesting and practical. Well, you've been doing your work for a long time, but not alone. You also have with us Reverend Ray Woolbridge. Uh, Ray, you are the executive director of Life Model Works. You also... Uh, are a military veteran as well as 
Uh, been married for 35 years to your loving wife, uh, Deborah. I know your passion as a skilled communicator and leadership coach is to see leaders discover their uniqueness and unleash their potential. And you're doing that through Life Model Works. God bless you, Ray. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I appreciate you both being here and Reverend Ray and Jim, so grateful for both of you. Uh, let's let's start with this. Uh, I refer to you, Jim, as a neurotheologian, which is probably a new title and concept for most of my listeners. Help me to understand, help us to understand, what does that mean to you? What is neurotheology? Well, as far back as the year 390 uh, A.D., the church has been talking about how did Jesus come to live? This is God living in a human body and making the human mind operate the way it's supposed to. And so neurotheology actually goes all the way back to uh, Bishop Nemesius of Emesa, who wrote the first book on the subject, you know, 390 years into the life of the church. And since then, we've been working out the details. Uh, we're getting a little, little farther ahead with brain scans. But, uh, you know, here's... Uh, a uh, sort of like a computer that's supposed to run a certain way and look like Jesus. And then there's uh, the software that comes from the spiritual side of life scripture and says, here's how it's supposed to work. And we just look at how those things overlap and fit together. Yeah. And I, and I love that because what you're taking really seriously is the body and uh, what's happened as you know, uh, Jim, um, over many, many years, is that the church has in some ways gotten away from taking the body as seriously as the scriptures do, as seriously as God does. Would you agree with that? Yeah, early in the church, of course, it was, uh, you know, the body doesn't matter came in from Greek philosophy. And then the last 500 years, it's uh, kind of been uh, you know, if I can just think the right thoughts and have the right ideas, I'm going to be a good Christian. Uh, but somehow that doesn't play out very well when we get it into our bodies. So this this kind of, you know, forces us to put it together in the part of our body that that does our thinking for us and has to learn how to be how to be Christian, how to how to be a new person. Ray, a lot of leaders over the last several years have been maybe exposed, if you will, for the lack of integration between the propositional truths we profess to believe and that being fully integrated into our lives. And it's produced a struggle where people say, hey, he teaches the right thing or she teaches the right thing, but they're not living it out. Is that part of the motivation behind writing the book? What, what was the motivation behind um, escape, escaping enemy mode? Well, I saw it in myself. I saw it in leaders that I had gotten to know up close and personal through the years, and I saw it from afar. This this gap between what we say and how we live, and you you could call that the heart head divide. Sometimes people say that, but there's some there's some real truth to it. Um, you know who who you are when no one is watching, and what is your character? And uh, my my quest in the in our book really was to. Uh, discover how I can become a more loving and more relational person. But, but I know I was noticing gaps in my character in how I responded to situations in my personal life. And then I, I looked around and I said, man, a lot of people are dealing with this. 
And uh, when Jim uh, educated me about enemy mode and what's going on in the brain, uh, I saw it everywhere and I saw it in myself. You know, it's interesting because in my introduction, I kind of shaped this in the context of what's happening in our broader culture. But make no mistake about it. The cultural narrative is only the individual narrative writ large. It Mm. is the uh, stories of multiplied individuals who are facing uh, these realities. And you guys have coined this term enemy mode. Ray, just define that for us. What is enemy mode? Well, it's a non-relational brain state where your brain sees the people around you as an enemy. And it'll happen so fast and you won't even notice you're treating them that way. But when you look around and, and, and the people around you are problems to fix or, or, or they're just wrong and you're going to convince them that you're right, they have become uh, neurologically your enemy. And you're operating really from the left hemisphere of your brain. You're not operating as, as you were designed to use your whole brain, right and left hemisphere operating in synchronization. So, Jim, obviously that's some pretty heavy stuff. And I know right now there's a lot of folks who just want me to camp out there and say, help me to know how my brain works. And I want to get back to that because I really do. I'm fascinated with this uh, this topic because – I just think this is an area where the church, and I'm a part of church leadership as a pastor, I just think this is an area we haven't explored or discussed as much as we we need to. But Jim, help us understand, going back to the book, what is your hope for the reader of Escaping Enemy Mode? What do you hope the impact and outcome is on their life? Well, you see... Uh, Dallas Willard always used to use how well we love our enemies spontaneously as sort of the benchmark of our Christian maturity. Uh, And the question then arises, how do we learn to actually spontaneously react to our enemies with love where we want to attach to them and, and, and share the life that we have inside of us. And so uh, my goal was to figure out how the brain learns that match that with scripture so that we're learning the right thing and then convince uh, in some way the uh, 2.4 billion people in the world who claim to be Christians. uh, And that includes all of the past and present presidency United States even includes Putin who says he's Christian, Um, you know, to actually live a life of loving our enemies um, in a practical sort of way. It's, it's um, you know, one out of uh, five people in the world claiming to be Christians. What would happen if we actually did love our enemies, and how would we learn to do that? That's kind of where I'm headed. Ray, um, how is living in enemy mode impacting the church, and how do you feel like it's impacting our culture? Gosh, there's so many uh, ways, Chris. I see it everywhere, and and, and at the macro uh, social media has weaponized enemy mode and, and, you know, Twitter felt like when they released the, the retweet button in 2009, some of the engineers said, wow, we just handed a bunch of four-year-old loaded wep- four-year-olds loaded weapons and told them to go play. Wow. And, and it just weaponized division. But where was that division coming from in the first place? And so if I'm trying to win an argument with my wife over something simple or something complicated, and I'm convinced I'm right and she's wrong, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, I have slipped into enemy mode. And we're not doing this together 
I'm going for the win. That's enemy mm. mode. Uh, if it's uh, in, 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 around a corporate boardroom, uh, when uh, the CEO basically has this attitude, it's my way or the highway, even though all the people around the table are there to help him or her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he's going for the win at all cost and, and doesn't care about damage to relational capital, that's enemy mode. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, this is, uh, as you know, going to help people to experience freedom in a way that they never have before. And for some people, this has been your life for 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life. And there is a trail of relational wreckage in your wake. And uh, what what Jim, Ray, and I hope and pray is that by reading this book, by hearing this conversation, that you'll experience a deeper level of relational connection that really allows you to get things done and allows true progress to take place. And so we're going to take a break, guys. Um, And as we get ready to take this break, I just want to uh, just highlight a couple of bullet points you lay out in the book, that a brain in enemy mode sees other people's motives as bad, recruits others to resist or attack the enemy, wants the other side to lose, and turns people into something like inanimate objects. Man, if that doesn't describe much of our culture, and and dare I say with a heaviness of heart, much of the church in this hour as well, I don't know what does. But here's the good news. It is possible to escape enemy mode. And we're going to talk to you about how we do that on the other side of this break. Before we go to break, please consider supporting the program prayerfully and financially. Uh, Call now, 888-644-4144. When we desire God above all things, sin falls away, and we become passionate and fruitful in our Christian life. What can we do when we find ourselves without this joy in the Lord? This is a common struggle, which is why I chose John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, as our impact gift for this month. It's yours when you give a gift of any size to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org and find your way back to faith-sustaining, everlasting joy. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for you, friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you also for an amazing year of support. Once again, we've been able to broadcast every day of 2022, and it's because in large part of God's grace and your generosity. Today, I'm asking you to help us to finish this month strong. If you're going to finish the year strong, we need to finish this month strong. So I'm going to ask you to consider making a one-time generous tax-deductible gift. You can do so by dialing 888-644-4144. Again, if we've been a blessing and encouragement to you, would you stand with us as we fulfill our mission to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith at 888-644-4144. Jim Wilder is my guest along with Ray Woolridge, and uh, so grateful for both of you gentlemen. Um, Jim Help us, if you could, to understand uh, the three types of enemy mode that you lay out in the book. 
Yeah, that's a very interesting part of the discovery that when I first thought about it, I was thinking, you know, the mind and enemy mode probably has, you know, one way of demonstrating itself. Uh, but after looking at it more carefully, and in fact, Ray and I were trying to figure this out as we were writing the book, uh, because it's never been really figured out by neuroscience up until now. And so uh, the first thing we notice is that sometimes when you feel other people are enemy, you just sort of go into this quiet, disconnected, uh, yeah, I'm not going to even relate to you. I'm, you know, just go away and don't bother me. It's, it's <laughs> sort of a simple. I've yeah. been there. Uh, simple enemy mode, you know, and you can look at that, even your kids and grandkids and people in your office and, you know, people who come to church and you just hope they don't come up and talk to you. And it's sort of a simple, but they're, you feel they're not really on your side. If they're, if they're coming, they're going to like take something from you, like your time or some, who knows what. Uh, but then uh, sometimes when we get into enemy mode, it gets really intense and people just say and do stupid things. So besides that simple enemy mode, there was a really intense kind of uh, destructive enemy mode, which afterwards you sort of hope no one had their video camera out and captured that moment. Uh, and because uh, we just lost it and we just tear up other people and say and do dumb uh things during those times and that's something everybody's noticed uh, at least in, in the people around them all you have to do is go to a large store and you'll watch some parent losing it on their kids that way sure uh, and then the final one which is the you know, it's so scary that we don't even want to think about it much is this intelligent enemy mode where you actually hunt down coldly uh, whoever it is that you dislike and try to uh, get rid of them in some way or wow. make them lose. And actually, we see that all the time in politics where you actually are uh, in, in intelligent enemy mode. It, it is kind of dumb in one way because you measure your success by making the other side lose. And how many times do we watch Congress or some group like that? Uh, one side will just defeat a perfectly great idea because their win would be making the other side lose. And they deliberately plan how to do that. And so intelligent enemy mode permeates a lot of our uh, business and government. And uh, that's you know why my d discussion with Ray became interesting because I'm coming at this as, as a neuroscientist and he's a retired brigadier general from the U.S. Army. And it's like, okay, uh, isn't, aren't those the people who we actually think ought to be in some kind of intelligent enemy mode? But how do we think about this as Christians? And it started, again, a very interesting discussion between the two of us that we work on in the book as well. I know that uh, Ray Jim is the resident theologian, but we're all men of the word, and we're constantly trying to see how these ideas match the word. Uh, the, the scriptures always will be and remain the standard of all truth. And so when when Paul writes that our wrestle is not against flesh and blood uh, in, um, in Ephesians. How does that relate to this topic, this discussion, uh, the whole concept of enemy mode? Well, in the scriptures, obviously, we see this whole structure, spiritual structure opposed to God's rule. 
you know, we, we see it in our, in our, uh, in our body because we have a, the flesh that wants to do its own thing apart from God. But we also see it, uh, in the heavenlies because there is a whole realm of spiritual entities opposed to God's reign. Now, when Paul's talking about that, he's saying that the, the person in your face who looks like your enemy is not the real enemy. The real enemy is the enemy of your soul, the devil, Satan, and his, his minions. So um, now this is directly related to enemy mode because it's really a Christian concept that we really have no human enemies. If they seem to be an enemy in the moment, they're really someone we haven't attached to yet. They're really someone we haven't helped get out of enemy mode so we could be potentially become friends. Or f- and f- and or family. Wow, what's powerful about what you just said is uh, I hope folks picked up that this means not only can I escape any mo- enemy mode, but potentially I can be used by God Ray to help someone else to escape enemy mode. Is that what you're implying there? Absolutely, uh, we need help escaping enemy mode, and so if we can stay relational we can operate with both of our hemispheres of our brain synchronized and, 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 and ask the Lord to help us to see the humanity in that person we're in, in an enemy mode interaction with, we could build a bridge and we could model for them how, how we can escape enemy mode together. Cause enemy mode, really, you, yes. you can't escape it alone. It's together. So this becomes then a book that is not just for my own personal development and maturing maturation, well, this becomes, in essence, a parenting book. It becomes a marriage book. It becomes a book on, on church leadership and team dynamics. Because if I'm empowered by God uh, to be able to help others to escape enemy mode, that plays out in every relationship in my life. But I want to go back for a moment to the brain science. Jim, how do we get there? How do we even get to enemy mode? It's one thing to recognize, okay, I'm in simple. I'm, I'm at stupid level right now. Um, I'm in intelligent enemy mode. It's one thing to have that level of self-awareness. But how do we get there? Well, the, uh, the simple mechanism in our, in our brain is uh, it wants to avoid pain. So if I connect with you and uh, you're in pain in some way or another, I'm going to have to share that pain. It's what the Bible calls compassion. And uh, actually, as human beings, we're sort of motivated to limit our compassion. Whose pain are we going to share? Uh, And, uh, you know, the reason why about half of the deaths of women are by their partners uh, is because uh, their partner didn't want to share their pain. We found domestic violence. You actually use the person's pain to get your way, and that's a part of intelligent enemy mode or any kind of enemy mode. It feels like I win if you lose, and people lose if they hurt, uh, if we can hurt them enough. And so, uh, you know, the brain says, well, you know what? If I just don't share that pain, uh, I can win, and I, I come out ahead. Uh, and so that's really the mechanism. It just kind of shuts off our connection with, with other people. And we learn a thousand ways to do that uh, when we're in grade school, you know, and other kids yeah. are picking on us or when we're in culture or, you know, if, if even social, if we happen to be in one of the uh, groups that society doesn't happen to like, 
you know, it's like, okay, they, they look down on women or uh, a racial group or whatever it is. Uh, we, we kind of like, we don't want to feel this pain all the time. So we find a way to protect ourselves. And with that brain in a non-relational sort of state, uh, you know, it actually starts seeing others as enemies. It sounds to me, Jim, like this is deeply connected to Genesis 3 and the fall, uh, that, that somehow my brain was not originally intended to operate in enemy mode. Yeah, you don't have Cain killing Abel without a disconnection going on right there. So it is right from the start of the story. Uh, you know, if we don't connect with each other by seeing each other the way God does, uh, then we see each other as competition. And uh, if you lose, ultimately, I don't really care if you die uh, from that enemy mode state. And we. Uh, we kill each other's souls a lot more than we kill each other's body. We kill each other's joy a lot more than we kill each other's body. We we kill the love between us and fall out of love much more often than we, we hurt the body itself. But it is a, still a body function that I have to share life with you. And that life that I share with you has to be the life that comes from God. If it's the life that uh, the fake life that comes from the devil, it'll kill both of us. But uh, you know, that's almost a different topic here. You know, we uh, unless we have a connection with God that says this is the good thing he wants to bring out of this this relationship, yes. uh, you know, we can't really sustain that joy. I'd be remiss if I did not take time out to acknowledge the massive way that God has used uh, Deborah in your life, Ray. Uh, also, Kitty, uh, for you, Jim, I uh, want to honor her mm-hmm. memory as well. Because God uses people to help us to escape enemy mode and to grow into becoming more relational people every day. So again, thank you, Deborah, and uh, we want to honor Kitty's memory as well. Listen, friends, you can escape this. We're going to talk about how you can escape any enemy mode on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So have you gone to our website yet? If you have not, I encourage you to do so. There you're going to find out information about today's guest. You're also going to be able to order your copy copy of Enemy Mode, How Our Brains Unite or Divide Us. Friends, um, this is a must read, and it is a, a book that's going to help you to have better understanding of yourself, of God, and His intent for our relationship. So please go today to get to ordering information so you can order your copy of Escaping Enemy Mode. I know you can't get every book that I encourage you to get, but this is one that I really do believe you need to add to your library. You need to read it, study it, so that you can experience freedom. I also want to say thank you to our partners. Here's what we need to do. We got uh, about 30 minutes left in this program. I want to ask if 10 friends can stand with us today with the gift of $100 to be able to meet our monthly uh, budget. We want to finish the year strong. And you guys know our intent is to always resource you, to bless you. But in order for us to do that, we need your help and your partnership. And, uh, And if you are just checking us out, Please uh, feel no pressure to have to give or support the program. Your listenership is 
uh, a gift in and of itself. But if you have been along for the ride and you've been blessed and encouraged, equipped, and uh, God is at work in your life through uh, this ministry, could you please consider a generous year-end tax-deductible gift? Let me give you the number, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. Ray, there's so much that we've covered already. You alluded to the difference between my left brain and my right brain. And just really quickly, help us to understand that for those who may not understand. And Jim, feel free to jump in when you say, hey, we're operating on our left brain when we're in enemy mode. What's the difference between my left brain and right brain? Well, Chris, of course, uh, that left brain, right brain terminology is um, widely misunderstood in the culture. What we're talking about is left hemisphere, right hemisphere. The right hemisphere of the brain operates faster than conscious thought, and it's where your emotions arise from, and it's where your deeply felt attachments to other people come from. And you'll be feeling things in your body long before you have a conscious thought. I mean, you'll see a person and your right hemisphere will assess, is that person friend or foe just when you see their face in like milliseconds? Meanwhile, your left hemisphere, which is running a little slower, is trying to categorize and explain and problem solve what you're doing. Now, the the trouble is Uh, When we're only operating in our conscious thought and ignoring the feelings in our body, ignoring what our nervous system is telling us, um, by default, we're in enemy mode. And, and, it, and so God, God designed us to use both hemispheres working in synchronization. Now, what I just told you, I learned from Jim Wilder. And Jim, I probably missed a few things. You're the, <laughs> you're the brain scientist. How did I do? Well, that's really good. Yeah, we can talk about it all day. But basically, the right hemisphere is the master system, and it isn't always on. It can break down when we're, we don't want to be relationally connected with the world and with our bodies. So once I hit that spot where I don't want to be here, we tend to start running into trouble in the right brain. And then the left brain says, okay, I'll take over. I'll just solve this problem. And whoever's standing in front of me becomes a problem instead of someone I care about. And one of the ways you can tell neurologically is if your right brain is running and you say, well, what's the problem here? It takes somebody about six to 10 seconds to figure out what the problem is. But if the right brain is not running and you say, what's the problem here? Within less than half of a second, your brain goes, ah, that's the problem right there. And it can explain to you all about it without having to understand at all. Uh, And we've all had that reaction, like, you know, you talk to somebody, boom, they immediately know, hey, you're the problem, or this is the problem. That tells us your right brain is actually off. They're running with no data. You know, the left brain is just explaining the problem, and we're going to take care of it. So let's talk about, Jim, escaping enemy mode. Give us a sense. Once we recognize, now that you've given us kind of some tools to recognize, not only that we're in enemy mode, but maybe what type of enemy mode we're in, how do we escape it? Well, I'll say one more thing before getting to that. The the most common trigger for getting into enemy mode is that we think the person that we're relating to or looking at is going to lower our status. The brain is extremely sensitive to status. And so uh, in this book, which is written for also police officers and people in authority, uh, it really is a, a message from the Christian mind to the world 
the people who feel their status is being threatened are the ones that will attack back in enemy mode. But from a Christian point of view, you see Jesus was both God and human, and you don't get a higher status than that. So Jesus actually went around the world finding people who thought their status was very low and raising it because everyone has this Mm. potential to be a child of God. Mm. So escaping enemy mode is to go from saying, you're my enemy and I have to lower your status, that's how I win, so that I can raise my status. That's how many human interactions run that way, right? To say, I have to connect with God's mind so that I can say, you know, you don't even understand the status you have. Let me raise the status because you also, like I, can be a child of God and we need to get ourselves there by seeing how God sees us. Now, if I'm really mad at you, which is how it often happens, I have to connect with somebody else, a rescue attachment, somebody who is enough connected with God that they can say, well, you know what, Jim, Uh, that person that's really annoying you, they are also a child of God. Let's go to God together, and and we're going to see how God sees them. We're going to see this from the eyes of heaven uh, in order to uh, raise, uh, at least offer everyone the status of a child of God so that we can you know, we don't have to be enemies anymore once we get there. So, Ray, help me to understand how this looks. And I want to just start in a parent-child relationship. Uh, what if you have a child, you're a parent, and you have a child who frequently is in enemy mode? Uh, they they feel attacked. They see others as enemy, even when uh, that that's not the intent. But you see this in your child, and you're concerned what what do you what does that look like for parents to help their kid to escape enemy mode well one thing it looks like is establishing joy with that child and joy means we're happy to be together and so if you can make a relational connection with your child looking them in the eye sharing that joy of just being together and they will have that relationship with you as a parent you can help them stay out of enemy mode because by definition, if we're feeling joy of being with another person, it'll be real easy then to feel some gratitude for good things that have happened. And so helping your child both feel some joy, but then when they get upset, because where, where this goes off the rails is, yeah, we're feeling joy for the next 10 minutes and all of a sudden I drop a toy or I spill my milk and I'm upset. Well, help the child learn to recover from that upset help the child learn how to quiet themselves and calm down as we clean it up together and do it, enjoy doing it together. Say, Ray, could you tell them about cake? Uh, Marcus Warner and I wrote the rare leadership book and he came up with the, the, the acronym cake from there. And then uh, Chris Corsi picked it up in his joy switch book, both very good books. Uh, but I can never remember what CAKE stands for. Um. <laughs> yeah, so the C is curiosity. The question with that, that CAKE answers is, how can I know if I'm in enemy, in enemy mode or not? And so if I'm curious about another person, if I feel some appreciation, that's what the A stands for. If I'm being kind right now, and if I'm making eye contact, then I am not in enemy mode. I'm in relational mode. So if you're monitoring your body during the day, wait a minute, I don't care right now what this person is saying. And I don't feel any appreciation for anything good in my life. And I'm actually not being very kind right now. I'm really pushing the buttons of this other person. Oh, and I don't even want to look them in the eye. 
by default, you've gone into simple enemy mode or worse. Mm. And that's a really helpful acronym that's in a, this other book that we've built on. And, and it really helps with the first two types of enemy mode, simple and stupid. Yeah. Now, let me go from maybe the young child to the older child. And I want to make this as practical as I can. A recent report came out or study uh, that I read that says that what we're seeing is a generation of young adults who are cutting parents off because they feel um, a, kind of a collective resentment, anger, trauma towards that. What if it's an adult child who sees you as the enemy? How do you address that? Well, that's that's a very difficult issue. Jim and I are both parents of adult kids, and uh, they all have their own journey. I would say, though, that as a parent and as a grandfather, my role is to stay relational with my kids, even though they may have chosen a different path in life than I have. My, my job is to stay relational and to pray for them and to, uh, to build an adult relationship with them. Now, it's very painful. Those stories that you just talked about, I hear them all the time as well. And uh, a lot of times it's around political or lifestyle differences. Sure. And I'm going to politics next. So you go right ahead. <laughs> so so the, the que- here's, here's the question we've got to ask ourselves as parents and grandparents. Is this problem more important than the relationship? Because if the problem, the disagreement is more important, we're in enemy mode and they might be too. So let's flip that on its head and let's say the most important thing is that we're family. We have an attachment. We love each other even though we may have strong disagreements. And so, you know, people are going to be sitting at a table with that one relative who gets on their last nerve. So if, if you go into that, I'm going to stay relational and think about something you appreciate about them. That will begin resetting your brain. And, and you may have to, agree, you'll probably have to agree to disagree at the table. But let's keep it relational. Let's keep it connected. And let's do that with each other and with our adult kids. So so part of what I hear you saying is no matter where a person goes in enemy mode, that the best thing I can do is to maintain relational mode in my thinking and resist the temptation uh, to follow their choice of going into enemy mode with my choice of going into enemy mode. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, and another thing I would add to what you just said is re- – Notice what's going on in your body. So if their name pops up on your phone and they're calling you and all of a sudden you're, you don't want to take the call and you're getting a little angry, there, you ought to quiet yourself and, and, and remember some good memories with that person. Uh, you know, uh, whatever you've got to do to quiet yourself and to keep both hemispheres of your brain online will help so much. Even though at the end of the day, you, you may have a disagreement, but we, we love each other. We're attached to one another. And, uh, and you know, parents were put on this earth to, to love their kids well for all of their children's lives, not just when they're little babies. So let's go back really quickly, Jim, to the spiritual side of this. Uh, and when we come back, I want to go to, the, to a break. But, Jim, when we come back, we got to talk about the role of the spirit in, in all oh, of yeah. this. Because uh, I don't want folks to think we're just talking about some uh, naturalism, if you will. Uh, There is and always will be the deep work of the Spirit 
in this. So uh, as we go to break, again, we are praying and asking you to prayerfully consider partnering with us. We're asking for 10 friends to stand with us today with a gift of $100 or more, if God has blessed you that way. Again, it's tax deductible, but it also is critical for the mission of this ministry to reach a generation with the good news and grace of Jesus. So can you dial 888-644-4144? Again, that's equipradio.org. We'll be right back. On Equip, we tackle the tough issues, and there sure have been many this past year. But we continue to confront them with the relevant biblical truth of the gospel. As we turn to a new year, will you join our Christ-centered approach by becoming an AutoGift monthly partner? Keep Equip on the air in your community and across the nation. Your $30, $50, or $85 a month gift will make a huge difference in this new year. Equip yourself and make a difference for Christ and his kingdom at the same time by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, having a fascinating conversation with Jim and Ray about this awesome book, Escaping Enemy Mode, How Our Brains Unite or Divide Us. And if ever there was a conversation on which I had two more hours to talk through, it is this one. When you begin to talk about brain science and theology, it's a deep conversation uh, that uh, is so critical for us to understand if we're going to walk in freedom and help others to experience the deep relational love of the Father. Uh, Jim, I want to come to you, as I said before we went to break. It seems that as I listen to Ray describe the effects of enemy melt relationally, that the only one who wins is Satan uh, and uh, our adversary to, who wants to divide us. And I don't think Satan cares how he divides us. He just wants to see us breaking relationship so we need the help of the Spirit. So help us to understand the work of the Spirit in this. Well, you know, it wasn't like Jesus didn't have lots of people in enemy mode that weren't listening to him. Uh, <laughs> and when our brain drops into enemy mode, we look at somebody else and say, well, why should you, you know, why should I even want to connect with them? You know, it's like, why would I want to be around them? And uh, our win would be, uh, again, either we attack them and show them that they're wrong or we withdraw. But what if we decided instead that we want this to be a win for God? This is, seems to be what Jesus did. He said, you know, my objective here is to win somebody over to God's reality, God's perspective. And when we're in enemy mode, what God thinks about it doesn't seem all that important. Uh, and this is, you know, the experience of time after time after time talking to people in enemy mode, like, don't irritate me with that God talk right now. But don't we actually want God's perspective, power, and kingdom, the things that are ultimately going to win, to guide us during this moment of opposition between two people? 
And so again, to, to quiet ourselves and to come to God's presence with thanksgiving, at least if things are going this badly, if, if conflict is this way in the family, if my adult child won't listen, I want to listen to what God sees and be on his side and be able to express his presence to that other person, to, to even share God's presence in my voice and in my face, which are the things that break through enemy mode. Like when I look at you, uh, what James, the book of James says, the first sign of being saved is that we're quick to listen and slow to speak. And so that reaction of I'm curious, I just, I really want to know what's going on with you so that I can help you find within you uh, your best self, the one that God is growing. You know, we all have an old self that uh, is annoying. Uh, but inside of us, God ha- sees something else that he wants to bring out. And don't we want to see that, especially in the people who are most annoying to us? If we could just help them find who God really says they are, we could have a relationship here. And, and we lean into that. The Spirit's the only one that can guide us in that because uh, it's like, well, I want you to know that Jesus sees something more in that person than your brain can see right now. And, and don't we want to be a part of that? Because that's what's life-giving. That that's, gives us good news with even people who don't want to listen to us. You know, Paul says that we know not how we ought to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession on our behalf. So it seems to me that the Spirit allows me, enables me, gentlemen, to see people through the eyes of God, to be Absolutely. able to see people rightly uh, when I have recast them through uh, the lens of my old self as an enemy mm-hmm. to be able to see them as one that Christ died for. Is that is that an accurate articulation, Ray, of what the Spirit is doing in me? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And and that gives us the, the impetus to be like Jesus, you know, the desire to be like him because that's how he, he lived. So, yeah. So, Ray, where do you want folks to start? I know the simple answer is pick up the book, get the book. But where do you want people to start in their journey? Well, I think uh, uh, there's there's so many on-ramps. I'd say get the book. We have a website, escapingenemymode.com, that has some helpful hints and steps. We have a study guide that people can download that will help them go through it with the group. Uh, I think the first step, though, personally, is begin recognizing it in yourself. Maybe uh, take a journal for the next seven days and write down every time you went into enemy mode that day. You'd be surprised how often it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, and some of us are in it so often we don't notice it. Like kind of like a fit explaining water to a fish. Yes. Uh, yes. How would you explain? It's just the it's just the uh, environment they live in. Well, enemy mode can be that environment, too. So start with recognizing it in yourself. Well, you know, and a lot of folks have been tricked by the enemy into thinking that you can't change. The fact of the matter is what this book helps us to realize is we don't have to stay in enemy mode by the power of the spirit. And through understanding how we have been made fearfully and wonderfully, we can be free and we can walk mm. in love with God and in love with others. God bless you, brothers. Friends, I want to encourage you, get a copy of Jim and Ray's book, Escaping Enemy Mode. Go to our website, equipradio.org. We share these things because we really do love you. And then we can't wait until the next time we're together again. 
Until then, remember, Equipped with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. Here's my question for you. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? What about your family members or friends? Pete Miller of Need Him Global joins me to talk about finding your faith and sharing it with others. If you want a personal relationship with Jesus, we can help you to find the way. Don't miss the next Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.